All right, Boz, you know, there's a really cool old CrossFit Journal article, and I know you know the one I'm talking about. It's called Working Wounded. Oh, yeah. And this occurred all the way back in May of 2005. So if you were a CrossFit nerd, go ahead and go back and check that out. But the, the basic point of the article was, hey, injuries happen, be it in the gym, outside the gym, life's rough. And the focus of the sure article is. was not the rehabilitation needed for that injury. Seek a medical professional, get with your PT, do all of that. But as a coach, as an athlete, we want to have those clients still showing up to our gym and we need to find creative ways to keep people moving and ideally advancing their fitness or at least letting it not stagnate too much while being mindful of what their injury is. And so... We're going to go down that rabbit hole today. It's going to be a wonderful rabbit hole. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I think the beauty of that particular article is that it, it takes exactly what you just said, the framework away from, okay, I have to do a specific you know, rehab protocol. Maybe that is the case, but you know, that's for somebody else to decide. What is easy to decide now is what can I do that allows me to keep pushing the needle forward, even if it's in a way that I hadn't considered previously. So for example, one of the hardest parts about doing CrossFit is that there's so much breadth of things that you need to be covering it on such a regular basis. When you do have some of those options taken away from you, it does open the door for you to almost become like a specialist in a way uh, on, on some things that maybe you haven't really put some time into. So there's, there's lots of opportunity in that if you're looking at it with the right lens. See the glass is half full, right? And yeah, something like that, yeah. <laughs> I've, I've been banged up several times in my life, never actually, quite frankly, CrossFit's fault, dumb stuff on motorcycles in the military, but it can be an opportunity, right? So maybe you, you adore the barbell, you're just that athlete, mm. and unfortunately something happens to your knee. Well, guess what? Now you get to become amazing at some body weight movements or... Yep. Vice versa, whatever it happens to be, see it as an opportunity. But we still want to, to the best of our ability, have the athlete, if we can, doing constantly varied functional movements. However, with uh, an intelligent sprinkling of common sense based upon what they have going on. It's, and there's no one right way to do it. So kind of, again, taking from what the article did, talking about a real world situation... That's exactly what we'll do. We'll cover three or four different things that have really happened to you or me, and those general concepts will, will lead us well. So you can kick it off because you actually recently have been dealing with something with your back, and what happened and how are you dealing with it? Yeah, well, it's, uh, it's really kind of the artifice of a chronic problem that I've had for a long time. Uh, and every couple of months, it'll just let me know about it. So I, the frustrating thing is I can't point to like, oh yeah, I got a a lift that went wrong and that's when I started feeling pain. Now, unfortunately, it was just kind of creeping up on me and next thing you know, I wake up and I'm stiff and I can't bend as well as I'd like to. Um, but it's just kind of remnants of an old chronic back problem that I had from years and years ago. Anyway, all that said, um, the first thing that I try to do is take stock of, all right, what can I do that doesn't cause me any aggravation to the area? And I start making a list of the things that I can do. Mm -hmm. So what doesn't hurt? What doesn't affect the region? Write it down. Get those exercises on paper. 
And then you start to see pretty quickly that you have more options than you might think. Because when you're in the throes of, you know, feeling a little bit beat up, especially when it's like right at the, the time of injury or right when you're feeling at, at your worst, it's easy for your, uh, you know, psychology to start playing some tricks on you and convince you that this is it. I'm just bed rest for the, for the next four weeks or whatever right. it is. I can't do anything. And that's not the case most well, of the Well, especially, too, with something like a back. I mean, as yeah. soon as people hear those two words, back injury, their immediate mind state goes to, yeah, I'm not going to do anything. Because, I mean, yeah. how can I, your back is involved in everything, so now I'm incapacitated. So what was it that you were actually still able to do, given the fact you tweaked your back? Well, I started with things that made it worse and, you know, just didn't feel good at all. And, and then I expanded out from there. So, so I was like, okay, loading is definitely not going to happen for a minute. So fine, put that out of my mind. Uh, and then any sort of hinging movement that was done dynamically really fired me up. And so I was like, okay, that's, that's off the table for the next little while also. So those are the first two that I eliminated. Um, and then I started playing around with some, like you were saying, like some upper body uh, body weight movements. So push-ups and pull-ups, those felt great. In fact, doing the pull-ups really actually was, uh, I felt it to be therapeutic. So I was like, all right, this is another chance to reconnect with some of those staple exercises that, you know, you have in the mix all the time, but I haven't really focused on those in a long time. So there could be some, you know, a coach with a twisted smile could then tell the athlete something which they don't want to hear. It's like, okay, fine. We're not going to deadlift. You can use your upper body. We're going to, we're going to have a goal of 25 strict dead hang L-sit pull-ups. You're like, oh, there you go. no. You know, like <laughs> even, even if you don't achieve that goal, the pursuit of it will leave you a better human being at the end of however long it happens to be. So, uh, yeah, the back is always terrifying. I, I dealt with mm. something which, again, um, it was tough to do almost anything. I had an umbilical hernia. Oh, it was, it was probably over five years ago now. And much like yourself, I can't identify the exact mechanism of the injury. It's just one day I noticed this little protruding nodule near my belly button. I was like, "What is that?" It like, felt like felt <laughs> oh, like there's no. like an M M&M and M under the skin yeah. or something. Alien and baby could push it back in. It would come back out. Could push it back in, and it was more of a nuisance than anything actually debilitating or painful. But after some chats with some folks more intelligent than myself, they're like, "Look, it's most likely who's kidding who. You're going to keep working out. It's going to probably get worse. You might as well get it taken care of. Start the road to recovery so you can get back to 100% sooner rather than later." So I did. Had the surgery. Had the mesh inserted. But it's, you know, it's your midline, it's your abdomen, I mean, yeah. you, which you use going from a seated to standing position. You use, you tense your abdominals doing everything. So my list of things that I could do, even though I wasn't really in a lot of pain, was almost nothing. The doc said I could lift 20 pounds, no more than that, but I had to tense my body to lift 20 pounds, so that didn't yeah. work well. And one of the few things that my doc said I could do was walk upstairs. And I was like, okay, so 20 pounds is okay. Walking upstairs is okay. This was really boring, almost no variance whatsoever, <laughs> but it, it did keep me moving and it was good for my mental state as well. I would put on a 20 pound weight vest because then I'm not like tensed holding it, it's just sitting on my body. So it was a great way to get loading on my body without having to hold something. And then I had a 20 inch box out in the garage and every other night 
for as long as it was. I can't remember if it was six weeks or eight weeks, but every other night I would go out, turn on some music and do slow box step ups for 45 minutes with the oh, weight man. vest on. So boring, <laughs> so monotonous, but for both my body and my mind, infinitely better than doing nothing. Infinitely. Yeah. And then finally, when I could start to get in some some fitness, I didn't feel like I was just coming off the couch, just like a, you know, I would have felt like a disgusting turd had I done that. So luckily, luckily that wasn't the case. So that was my, that was my hernia deal. I know. Yeah. On, well, uh, let me, let me stop you right there. I, I don't mean to interrupt, but I, I think that shows a, a remarkable level of discipline, number one, to, <laughs> to be able to do that. But number two, you know, it, it I think it bears kind of pausing on this idea of, okay, you did the full course, the eight weeks or whatever it was right. that your, your doctor recommended. And I think as somebody who trains regularly, that can be difficult because Absolutely. pain as a mechanism, yeah, it disappears before the injury is fully fixed. And if you're somebody who's used to, you know, being self-motivated or whatever, you can lull yourself into that sense of thinking where you're like, oh, it doesn't hurt anymore. I'm good to go. And then yes. you're full steam ahead and you get into this vicious cycle of never really healing. So hats off to you for having the <laughs> well, discipline to, to do that. Thank you so much. <laughs> the only reason that occurred was because I've, I have violated that in the past and <laughs> yeah. then turned what should have been a six-week recovery into a 10-week. And so oh yeah, that is a yep. great message to everybody out there. Please, please, please take your time it's better to do it right the first time and come back to as close to 100% as you can than rush the recovery, do a bit too much a bit too soon, and then you're stuck at 75% for a couple years. It's yep. just... Absolutely. Just do what you got to do. So, And on that note, I think it's really kind of a management of extremes um, because there's also the belief that, you know, you get hurt. It's like, well... Might as well just pack it in. That's it. <laughs> I'm sure. going to be on the couch forever. I mean, that's a terrible outcome as well. That's certainly not going to help. And it's certainly not going to be a way that you can, uh, you know, get back to full capacity. So that extreme mentality, as usual, as we harp on all the time, most of the time, that, that kind of mentality isn't going to work on either end of the spectrum. You know, you and I have some, some similarities, but also some stark differences with regards no, to our... On athletic capacity and, and things and whatnot. And one of the things that you have that I've always been incredibly envious of is your flexibility, your range of motion in the joints. I mean, you have so much, I feel like you could give me some and you'd still be fine. <laughs> but what's interesting is, you know, we've chatted before and you said, sure, it's great to be so flexible and mobile, but it can potentially come with a cost and you've paid a little oh, yeah. bit of a price with your very flexible shoulders. What was the deal with that? Yeah, absolutely, man. That's something people don't take into consideration with flexibility is that it can be a liability if you take it too far. And you know, I grew up doing a lot of gymnastics and uh, rock climbing and stuff like that. And my shoulders took a beating. Like I think I dislocated my shoulder the first time when I was 12, something like that. And uh, dislocated both shoulders multiple times since then. And once you have an injury like that, especially to the shoulder and those ligaments get stretched out, they never really recover back to their full, um, you know, stability. So it's something that I've always had to manage over the years. And the stronger I am and the fitter I am, the more stable the shoulder girdle is just due to the nature of the musculature supporting it. But on a foundational level, you know, I always have to kind of watch it. And so my shoulders are, they're a little finicky, uh, even though 
they're very flexible. I can get them into great positions. It's just maintaining that position sometimes isn't always going to be an easy job. So there's certain movements because of that. I was going to say, yeah, do I you know. have to pay attention yeah. to stuff? Or I mean, is it, is it, yep. does it come and go or what's the deal? Well, you know, there's lots of movements that I know I'm, I'm going to be good. And there's lots of movements where I'm like, this is not going to be something that I'm ever really pushing for a lot of intensity. And, and so over the years, I've come to understand about myself that behind the head work is not going to be something that I'm really pushing the envelope. You know, I can do it with PVC pipe and mm -hmm. making sure I take the time to be flawless in my execution. You know, I can get the bar on my back and do some snatch balances uh, with a pretty controlled tempo, but I'm not going to be loading that movement up. I'm not going to be trying to do it aggressively. That is purely a technique drill for me and my particular shoulders. And I think, you know, the older you get and the, the more kind of road miles you've got on you, um, what'd you call them? City miles the other day? Some city miles. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think the more of those you pile up, the more kind of self-knowledge you, you hopefully build up around that. And that's just one of those things for me that it's like, yeah, I can do it, but I have to be selective and I have to take myself out of the mentality of, I have to PR on this movement. I have to bring a lot of intensity to it. For me, those exercises are no longer about that. It's about something else. It's maintaining good positions. It's building technique for other things and staying in the game that way. I've got a couple questions as somebody who's never dislocated a shoulder, and I've actually never been in the room when somebody has dislocated a shoulder. I've only seen it's it a good time. in Lethal Weapon. So. I want you to know what happens there. <laughs> so when you dislocate your shoulder, does it? have you had it happen? I'm, I'm in, picturing like the worst. Like there's a barbell locked yeah. out overhead. You're doing something, and one of your shoulders just goes. Is that how it happens, and the weight comes crashing down on you? Or what actually occurs when you dislocate your shoulder. Yeah, I've definitely done it uh, that way too. So, you know, there's kind of a difference there. Uh, like when it subluxes, it's kind of when it pops out and pops back in. Okay. And then there's a full-on dislocation where it'll dislocate and you have to, you know, either reset it or have somebody reset it. And I've experienced both. Um, most notably, uh, I, I think this was 10 years ago. I was, uh, I was, somebody was trying to teach me how to surf. Uh, I was actually really? in Australia. Yeah. And I was out swimming and I, uh, you know, caught a stroke wrong and luckily I was in pretty shallow water, but my shoulder popped out and, uh, I couldn't move my arm for, you know, 20, 30 seconds until I could stand up and I, uh, gave it the old, uh, knock back in on my own. And that was unpleasant and definitely sore and beat up for a couple of weeks after that. But <laughs> Oh, so you literally so experienced both. You yeah. literally, like I was just joking about with Lethal Weapon, you have just slammed your own shoulder back yep. in. Yep. It's, oh, wow. Uh, it's unpleasant. But. And every time, am I correct in thinking that every time it does that, is the shoulder a little bit more prone to it happening again? Yep, that's exactly right. Yep. Okay. Wow. Okay. And so to this day, even with all that happening, you've, you've, dislocated or sublux it how many times total do you think it's occurred that's a great question i don't know uh you know i've done both sides multiple times um <laughs> I, I you know i'm not exactly keeping score so. right but point being <laughs> but knock yeah knock on wood it hasn't happened in uh i'm trying to think it's been it's been a year or two but even um, with I, all that happening you're, you still go overhead regularly Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And again, do you get uh, nervous when you know, uh, you know, does it haunt your haunt your movement or is it just something like, no, I got to pay really close attention to how I'm moving and I should be okay? Not uh, like overhead stuff with a barbell and a dumbbell, honestly, uh, doesn't freak me out because I know that I'm comfortable in that position. Um, 
And again, you got to talk about the time frame too, right? If I'm just post-injury, then yes, it's going to take a little while for me to have full confidence back in those positions. But once that's resolved and it's been a couple of months, then no, I don't have a lot of like lingering fear around that. But again, I've been, I've been managing that for a better part of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think if it was a different scenario where I was in my mid-30s and I had a, an acute incident like that now and it was a one-off, it would probably cause me a lot more psychological distress than having to have managed it for so long at this point. If you do have a full dislocate happen, like you said, happen when you were out in the water and you have to put it back in, I assume that causes a lot of just inflammation and, and trauma yeah. for a pain, for lack of a better way, better way for me to say it. Does that then render you doing just single arm movements for multiple weeks or months? Or what? Do, what's the comeback look like? That was exactly it, you know, and for that particular incident, that was the path forward was, uh, you know, exactly what you just described is pretty sore and stiff for a long time after that couple of weeks. And so, yeah, that was the name, the name of the game was, all right, what can I do that keeps that shoulder basically immobilized and then keeps me pushing forward with my fitness. So walking lunges were my friend, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> movements like that, single arm movements were my friend. Uh, you know, lots of stuff like that to keep you active. Um, and people may think, okay, you're very familiar with this. This has happened to you multiple times. You know, hopefully if somebody does get an injury, they get it to a joint or something once and it doesn't happen again. But you yeah. are somewhat of an expert since this happened again and ah. again and again. <laughs> so have you experienced what everyone's fear is, which is, let's say, for example, you dislocate your right shoulder. You don't use it for six weeks. You're just going overhead with your left shoulder, dumbbell push press, one-arm thrusters, one-arm overhead squats. Well, now when you can start to work your good arm back in, people may think your left arm is going to be really strong and overdeveloped. The right arm is weak. You, you sh- now you have this imbalance. You shouldn't have worked it. Now you have to play catch up with the other one. What has been your experience with that kind of common thought that exists out there? Well, I think that... Uh, I- I don't know who still subscribes to that Somebody does. line of thinking where it's like, well, it's better to just not do anything because if you can't do it with both arms, mm-hmm. you know, that's a huge problem. I, I certainly have not experienced that and quite the opposite. You know, I think my anecdotal experience is that staying active and working the limb that I could um, made it that much faster for the recovery on the good arm when it was ready to get back in the game. And, um, you know, I think there's lots of research coming out that, uh, backs that up as a theory. Um, and it makes a lot of sense when you start thinking about the systemic effect that exercise has, you know, on your hormonal system and, you know, just overall, there's more at play than the specific muscle tissue that's being worked with the activity that you're doing. Uh, and, and I think discounting that is a mistake. So yeah, I certainly have felt it's a way faster road to full recovery if you stay active with what you can. That's been my experience it, for sure. It's certainly been mine as well. You know, the next thing that's happened to me that I'll talk about was uh, just a full AC joint separation of my right shoulder. I believe oh, yeah. there's like five levels, like one through five or five grades. And if you get a five, it's basically you need surgery, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. So I had the, the top one and because it was well, a mo- you, uh, the, uh, motorcycle. motorcycle. Okay. Yeah, over I the handlebars, uh, out in the woods, dirt bike out in the woods. And... Uh, 
there's a story involved in there. But anyway, long <laughs> I hit the ground really, really, really hard. And I remember I reached over because uh, I was dizzy because I smacked my head too. I reached over and I felt the back of my shoulder, like my scapula, and my hand just went like in. Like, and I was like, oh no, that's, that's not what my body's supposed to feel like. So after I limped my way out of the woods and got taken care of, I had that, I actually did not get surgery. My sur the doctor that I met with said, you know what? I can't guarantee you that me slicing you open is, is going to actually have it heal any better than not. And mm. good on him. He was like, I'm a fan of not cutting you open if I don't have to. So he didn't. And so I just had my arm immobilized for, you know, quite some time. And it was a good immobilizer that I had. And with that right arm just pinned to my chest, same thing. I did as many things with my left arm. One arm kettlebell swings. One arm dumbbell thrusters. One arm knee push-ups. Even like a slow one arm burpee, air squats. Mm. One arm deadlifts. Uh, I mean, you name it. I did a lot of sled drags where I just put the harness on, pull yep. the sled, hollow rocks, um, you know, work the air bike with just one hand on the handle, things like that. I couldn't really run. Running felt kind of bad. Yeah. Yep. I, I could actually, couldn't back squat, you know, because if you picture you just got to have one, <laughs> one hand on the bar wouldn't work well, but I could light to moderate back squat with the safety squat bar. Oh, yeah. You know, because I would just sure. hold one handle, not put a ton of weight on the bar, and get in some reps that way. And it kept me moving. It kept me sane. It kept me doing just good functional movements with a high degree of variance. It forced me to be very creative. And as much intensity as was appropriate and intelligent that wouldn't cause my arm to swing around in any, you know, I didn't want to experience any discomfort in the shoulder based upon what I had going on. But yeah, but I found I had a really wide strike zone with what I could do. Yeah, and, and much like yourself, when I finally could get that arm out, start moving it around a little bit, grab the five-pound dumbbell, it came back shockingly fast. And I again mm -hmm. have to attribute it to the fact that I didn't stop moving my body, and I didn't start moving, didn't stop moving my good side either. You know, the body is one piece. Yep. Did you have that experience too, where? you know, when you, once you've kind of removed yourself from the immediacy of the injury and you start taking stock of, okay, here's the things that I actually can do. And you go through that little experimentation process. But did you have that experience where you're like, well, oh, wow, this list is way bigger than I thought it would be? Absolutely. Yep. For sure. Okay. It's, there's, and again, that's the wonderful thing about CrossFit. If you made a list of how many movements we do, it would be such a long list if it was inclusive of weightlifting, monostructural, and gymnastics. And I mean, even if you had something substantial happen, let's say you had to remove 50% of the movements, you still probably have high double digits of, of exercises you're going to be able to do. And with some creativity and a basic understanding of creating workouts, Yep. You will have plenty of fitness. And like you said, use as an opportunity to maybe go down a path that you wouldn't have before, you know? I could have I could have tried to PR my lifetime four hundred meter walking <laughs> lunge, you know, or <laughs> something like that. Well, well let, let me ask you this then, because this is another thing that I've noticed actually very recently with my, you know, recent kind of back flare up, is that on the psychological end, I've definitely reframed my workouts a little bit to you know, just kind of getting back in touch with the idea that each workout 
lays a little bit of a foundation for something to come after it. And that there's, you know, this idea that they're all part of a whole instead Mm -hmm. of just a bunch of one-off workouts. Uh, I've been really reconnected with that uh, and bringing that mentality into my workouts um, now that I have to be a little bit more, you know, mindful of my back for the time being. Uh, Did you, have you noticed anything similar to that when you, when you've been kind of banged up? Yeah, it does. You know, when your world gets shaken a little bit and you're out of your comfortable routine, it does give you pause, for me anyway, as to the why am I doing what I'm doing? How am I doing it? What's the application? What's the goal? What's the end state? And so I do pay a lot more attention to those things and it brings them, brings them all back into focus, which is, which is useful, again, because we, we spoke about this in a previous episode as to why, you know, why we work mm-hmm. out and it brings that why for me back in, especially when I have some sort, you know, we're both fit, healthy individuals that we're used, we're not used to not being able to do things. And suddenly when something is restricted in my life, it brings into sharp focus the fact of how beautiful, amazing, and useful just having a fit, healthy, happy, strong body is, and that I want to make sure I'm doing everything possible to, to keep that going for as long as I can. Yep. And intelligent training is the way to do it. So it does refocus me. And, you know, I'll, I'll kind of wrap it up with this. You know, I won't go into the whole story because it's, it's a longer one. But, you know, I had a significant chronic, like life-changing injury around 2000. I broke my pelvis in the military. I got plates and screws in there. I had skeletal traction in my right knee where they drilled a hole through my femur. Oh, wow. And that just, that just changed, that changed my anatomy yeah. from that moment forward. I I stand differently, I lean differently, my spine's out of whack. So there's some chronic long-lasting things that I keep up with my fitness because it makes those chronic injuries feel better. It's kind of like a Mm -hmm. body in motion stays in motion. Yep. And I made a decision a while ago that now I can tell, tell you a couple decades later was the right call, so maybe this will resonate with people out there. If, I, if you have something chronic going on, like I'm going to have joint pain, it just it is what it is. I'm, I'm going to have a, a tightness, limited range of motion. I'm going to have arthritis. Like there are just some things I'm mm. going to have no matter what lifestyle I choose. So if those are going to be my constant companions till the day that I die, I would rather have them into, in the best of my ability in a fit, strong body, which passes through a full range of motion then have those same ailments in a weak, frail, feeble body that has decided to give up on the pursuit of physical endeavors. And yep. so... Couldn't agree more. Absolutely. That's it's, it, the big picture. Yeah, it almost comes down to this uh, idea of, okay, the reality is going to be set to some degree with an injury like that. Mm-hmm. However, the degree to which that reality is set can still be dictated by you. And I think that's important for people to remember when they do find themselves in those unfortunate circumstances where it's like, yeah, you you do get a little bit banged up and like, that is a hard line there. Um, Mm -hmm. But you still have a lot more control than, than you think. So don't just, don't just roll over. (laughs) For sure. No. And, and it, and it's interesting, sad and interesting. I know somebody that has almost the precise same injury. It was my uh, right acetabulum that I fractured and it happened to him in a vehicle accident and that individual gave up on fitness. And now I can tell you, two decades later, that was not the right call. You know, Mm -hmm. beyond beyond a shadow of a doubt, I have to be mindful, I have to be smart. But all those little things that I have to pay attention to, the the benefit is tenfold, you know, keep keep the body moving, use your head, and, 
and good decisions can be made. Well, I hope your back feels better, brother. It's feeling better every day, so yeah, right. I'm, I'm very optimistic. All right, and once again, to everybody out there, all the CrossFit nerds, check it out, Working Wounded. That was the CrossFit Journal article that we referenced at the beginning of this, and it is uh, it was published in May 2005, so we will see you next time.